नमस्ते दिस इज अ लेटर फ्रॉम द बेसमेंट आई एम माधवन वी पब्लिश अ न्यू एपिसोड हियर एवरी वीक डिस्कसिंग द इंटरसेक्शन ऑफ कल्चर एंड पॉलिटिक्स इन इंडिया फ्रॉम अ हिंदू परस्पेक्टिव इफ दैट समथिंग यू आर इंटरेस्टेड इन प्लीज सब्सक्राइब टू दिस पॉडकास्ट ऑन स्पॉटिफाई गूगल पॉडकास्ट एमेजॉन म्यूजिक जियो सावन गाना और एनी वेर एल्स यू लिसन टू पॉडकास्ट इन दिस लेटर वी हैव द सेलिब्रेशन ऑफ रामायणम मंथ इन केरला Supreme Court of India tries to prevent third wave of covid in UP but not in Kerala Modi government sabka saath policy on full display and a deep dive into what is called the Hindu rate of growth Welcome to the basement Hindus in Kerala are currently observing the Ramayana masam or the Ramayana month This is a time when Ramayanam is read every day in Hindu houses and the reading of the entire epic is completed by the last day of the month. This is observed every year during Karkadaka Masam in the Malayalam calendar. This year Ramayanam Masam had started on 17th of July and will go on till August. The Malayalam version of Ramayanam that is read during this month was authored by Tunjat Tirthachan who is considered the father of modern Malayalam literature his place of birth is in modern day tirur in malappuram district of kerala it is a reflection of the status of hindus in today's kerala that a statue of tirthachan could not be erected in his place of birth due to opposition from certain groups i'm sure you can guess which are these groups that detest statues and idols moving on This is also the time when Hindus in northern India undertake what is called the Kavadi Yatra. Devotees travel hundreds of kilometers on foot to Haridwar in Uttarakhand to collect holy Ganga water and carry it back on their shoulders to their homes and temples in their villages. But this year the yatra is not going to happen. Our, our very honorable Supreme Court took up a suomoto case that is they started a case on their own without anyone filing one and they forced the state governments to ban the yatra on the other hand when kerala government removed the covid lockdown restrictions ahead of the bakreed to allow crowds to flood shops and markets in the state the supreme court did not think it necessary to take up a suomoto case mind you this is at a time when kerala has the highest number of covid cases in the country At the time I am recording this podcast there are 128877 active covid cases in Kerala for comparison there are 1028 cases in Uttar Pradesh and 649 in Uttarakhand but the judiciary in our country thinks it needs to preemptively intervene to prevent crowds in Uttar Pradesh during covid yatra but doesn't need to be bothered about crowds in Kerala during bakreed shopping recently Justice NV Ramana the chief justice of the Supreme Court of India noted that the number of pending cases in Indian courts is projected to be around 45 million cases that is about 4 and a half crore cases if you think that this is too many pending cases and this inefficiency of our judiciary is denying justice to crores of fellow indians with justice delayed is justice denied and all that if you think that way according to justice ramna you are being uncharitable and making an overstatement what to say when this is the attitude of the highest official in our judicial system 
I'll refrain from saying anything more on this. Judges in our country are known to be oversensitive and prone to invoke contempt proceedings at the slightest provocation. So better to be careful not to trigger them unless you have lots of resources and influence like a Prashant Bhushan. In that case, you can do whatever you want and get away with a token 1 rupee fine. The government of India, headed by Sri Narendra Modi, recently filed an affidavit in the Supreme Court declaring that the welfare schemes like the scholarships, loans, subsidies, etc., which are given exclusively to non-Hindu religious groups are not against the principle of equality and are not discriminatory against Hindus. Now, whether this statement is correct or not, whether this kind of religion-based welfareism by a secular state is correct or not, that itself is a very interesting topic deserving of an in-depth examination. I'll probably cover that in one of the future episodes of this podcast. But I'm not going to get to that today. What I want to talk about today is the principles behind this affidavit or the lack of it. If you do not know, the minority exclusive welfare schemes were started for the first time at the central government level during Dr. Manmohan Singh's time as Prime Minister. This was done as a response to the Sachar Commission report on socio-economic status of Muslims in India. At the time, the only state government in the country to reject this religion-based welfareism was the Gujarat government with Sri Modi as the chief minister. The Gujarat government contested this so-called minority appeasement all the way till the Supreme Court. Like I said earlier, leave aside for the moment whether such schemes are discriminatory or not. But think about the mindset of opposing a particular policy as chief minister but justifying it after becoming the prime minister. This kind of double-faced, folk-tongue attitude is unfortunately the most standard feature of politics in India today. Something that permeates across party lines and ideologies, especially on issues related to Hindus. Staying on the topic of religion-based welfareism, in response to the same Sachar Commission report, the government of Kerala also started its own scholarship schemes for students from non-Hindu religions. But in a bizarre decision, it allocated 80% of these scholarships to Muslims and only 20% to students from other non-Hindu groups. For record, Muslims account for only about 60% of non-Hindu population in Kerala and Christians are about 40%. After Kerala High Court recently passed an order against this 80-20 distribution of scholarships, the Kerala government has now decided to distribute them in proportion to the population of each group in the state. In this week's deep dive, we look at what's the Hindu rate of growth, what's the problem with that phrase and what's the ideology that gave birth to that terminology. When you hear the phrase Hindu rate of growth, what comes to your mind? What do you think it is? The rate at which Hindu population is growing in India? Or the rate at which the income of Hindus is growing in the country? Or maybe the rate of increase in the literacy among Hindus or wealth among Hindus? The answer is none of the above. In fact, this phrase is used to describe something that has nothing to do with Hindus. This phrase, Hindu rate of growth, was coined in the 1970s by a person named Raj Krishna who was an economist and a professor at Delhi School of Economics. 
The purpose of this phrase was to describe the low economic growth in India immediately following our independence in 1947 and till the economic reforms were started under P.V. Narasimha Rao's government in the 1990s. During this period, for four decades, our economy grew at some 3 to 4 percent rate, relegating crores of Indians to poverty. For comparison, during the same time, the economy of South Korea, which became independent a year after us, grew at some 8 to 10 percent. And by the 1990s, the average individual income in South Korea was some 20 times higher than that in India, even though both the countries started at almost the same level in the 1940s. So, you can imagine the kind of economic mismanagement in our country during the first four decades of our independence. Things became so bad towards the end of 1980s that our government had to mortgage country's goal to avoid bankruptcy. It is now generally accepted that the reason for this economic mess was the socialism and centralized planning that started under our first Prime Minister, Jawaharlal Nehru, and continued with greater intensity under the subsequent Congress party governments, especially the one under his daughter, Indira Gandhi. The license permit quota Raj under these governments successfully scared away private enterprises and destroyed wealth and employment opportunities for crores of youth in the country. While Nehru's and Indira's and Congress Party's ineptitude and mismanagement was responsible for destroying India's economy, who do you think our secular, progressive economists blamed for that? The Hindus of our country and the Hindu worldview. They blamed the Hindu belief in concepts like renunciation and karma for this. This is nothing but an intellectual fraud because the truth is we Hindus not only believe in things like Tyaga, or Dhanam or Karma, we also worship Lakshmi Devi as the goddess of wealth. We are a civilization that places pursuit of prosperity, the Artha, as one of the four high ideals that are worth pursuing during a human life, the four Purusharthas. There are special rituals during our festivals to drive away poverty from our houses and to welcome Lakshmi Devi in. If anything, Socialism, which glorifies poverty, is an anathema to the Hindu way of life. Arun Shauri very correctly called out this intellectual dishonesty of the Nehruvian ecosystem in an article in 2007. He wrote, and I quote, It has almost become routine to slight Hindu sentiments. Our smart set do not even notice the slights they administer. Recall the jibe of decades, the Hindu rate of growth. When... Because of those very socialist policies that their kind had swallowed and imposed on the country, our growth was held down to 3-4%. to It was dubbed with much glee as the Hindu rate of growth. Today, we are growing at 9% and if you are to believe the nonsense in Sachar's report, the minorities are not growing at all. So, who is responsible for this higher rate of growth? The Hindus. How come? No one calls this higher rate of growth the Hindu rate of growth. Simple. Dubbing the low rate as the Hindu one establishes you to be secular. Not acknowledging the higher one as the Hindu rate establishes you to be secular. End of quote. That is the thing. 
If you put down Hindus, if you disparage the Hindu way of life, you get elevated to the high status of a secular, liberal, intellectual in our country. But if you espouse the cause of the Hindus, you will be dubbed a reactionary, a communal bigot or worse. This trend that started during Nehru's time continues to this day as you may have realized from the quick run through the news that I narrated at the beginning of this episode. Only the number of colors in the flag of the ruling party has changed. Their attitude towards Hindus remains the same. That's all in this episode of Letters from the Basement. If you like what you heard, please share this with your family and friends. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Search for Letters from the Basement on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Ghana, GeoSavan or any other app where you can listen to podcasts. Till next time, stay safe and be happy.